we talk as Catholics as we have a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, which means mm. celebrating mm-hmm. that Christ took on a human heart, that he, that, he, that he felt things, and that in his perfection, we want our hearts to be conformed to his heart. We want to, we want to feel as he did about his disciples, as, about, his, about his friends, about his mother, about the poor. So not just our minds and our, and our, our rectified wills, but even our hearts mm-hmm. to be conformed to Christ's heart. Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International. And this, again, is a conversation about this, our daily task of growing in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be with you again today. Again, we're, we're talking about this, this ongoing journey with Christ, wherever you happen to be. Again, here at the Coming Home Network, we're, we're converts talking to fellow converts or people who are thinking about becoming Catholic. But wherever you might be on that journey, or maybe if you're not even sure you're on that journey, our, our task today, your task, my task, is to stay rooted in prayer and to keep our eyes on Jesus. And then he'll work that stuff out in time. And it, it, that's even more apropos today of, of the discussion that we're embarking out on, because we're going to be talking about unity, Christian unity, and the lack thereof that we experience, but also the ways that we contribute to that by our character and how we can be people who are in our character, in our walk with Christ, in the virtues that we are growing in and the vices that we're issuing that he can be working through us to build up unity uh, in our marriages, in our families, in our parish communities, and in uh, the body of Christ as a whole. So I'm really excited about this series, and I'm joined today by my good friend and colleague, Kenny Burchard. He is the Director of Development here at the Coming Home Network International. Kenny, thanks. Uh, it's great, great to be with you again. We did a, a series last year, but I'm so excited to be talking with you again here on Deep in Christ. It's wonderful to be back, John Mark. I'm honored to be part of the series. and. Uh, it's important stuff that we're going to be diving into here. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. And, you know, people know me. I, I'm sort of in a in a funny mm-hmm. position with regards to the church. I, I count myself amongst the converts. But, of course, I, I came into the church with my family <laughs> when I was very young. I've spent my life around converts and people thinking about becoming Catholic. But this topic has is more significance to you both as a, an adult convert to the faith but as also a pastor, someone who had re- responsibility for the care of souls who felt the call mm-hmm. to becoming Catholic. So I know that this is an important topic to you. Yes, it sure is. And in fact, um, I, I've told people many times that part of this journey, at least for me, uh, involved ending um, something that I was participating in, which is protest. You know, So part of my journey into the faith, uh, the Catholic faith and the fullness of the faith was in, in a sense, giving up that part of what I had learned so well, you know, in all those uh, years before um, being a Catholic. So this is part of that journey for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this, again, this show, for those who are only semi-familiar or, or not familiar at all, um, here at the Coming Home Network, we certainly are here to answer questions about the Catholic faith, to to get into the apologetics for those who have questions, who are trying to wrestle through the doctrines. And there's a great show elsewhere here on the network, uh, mm-hmm. On the Journey with uh, Matt, Ken, and Kenny, uh, where they tackle mm-hmm. the apologetics. They work through those a bit. Uh, on this show, we kind of step aside from that a little bit to focus on, you know, that stuff aside, again, our, our journey 
uh, is to be in Christ and with Christ as he's leading us to work through all those questions. And so again, what we wanted to do on this series, we're going to take probably five or six or so episodes, Kenny and I talking together, and we're going to talk about the concept of Christian unity. We're going to begin by digging into the, the Gospel of John and talking a bit through Christ's prayer for unity there. Uh, and then we're going to dig into the catechism a little bit on a, a few sections. First, about what the church says about Christian unity, its source, the bonds of unity, where it comes from, where it, what it subsists in. That's the church's claim that we now believe as Catholics. Uh, but then we're also going to talk about the wounds to unity, what's happened a, a little bit, just ever so, <laughs> ever so briefly, historically, what's happened and the situation we find ourselves in, what is the source of disunity. And then what we're going to do is we're going to turn to uh, this reality that that unity out there or lack of unity out there in the church at large, we can trace it back to the question of whether I, as a, as a follower of Christ, am exemplifying in my imitation of Christ, you know, in my prayer, in my words, in my thoughts, in the, the ways I go about my work and my life, am I someone who is building up that unity that Christ prayed for or am I not? And then we're, we're going to talk about how we can be that. Wherever we are in relation to the church or relationship to other Christians, how can I be a person who's building up unity? Good stuff. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a little different from on the in the journey in that sense. You know, we're not just talking about how we hear how we became Catholics, but really um, what it means to follow Jesus as a Catholic. And this this whole word Catholic Catholicity, the universality of the of the Church of Jesus and this call to unity that, that, that the church has upon our lives, that Christ has upon our lives. This is how we live as followers of Jesus and, and as Catholic yeah. Christians. So it's, it's just, um, I, I discover every day, John Mark, how integral this, this virtue really of, of, of being, um, in unity with Christ and his church is to this walk. It's, there's just, um, yeah. to use a unity term, it's inseparable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also the basis, you know, I, I don't have the quote in front of me. I wish I could read it, but we had um, uh, Father Benedict Rochelle was at one of our conferences many years ago, and he was talking about ecumenism and unity and, and failures in mm -hmm. unity. And he made the point, and I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, but the, it's a simple point, that our devotion to Jesus Christ that's the basis of true ecumenism, true work right. towards unity. And so we're laying the foundation here of like, again, we have to be people who are deep in prayer, who have our eyes on Jesus. And it's in the mm -hmm. context, it's in the context of that commonality, that common ground, that we can dig into the apologetics, we can dig into the differences, mm -hmm. we can dig into the wounds and, and bring about mm -hmm. some healing. But it's got to be from a place of this common uh, walk with Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I figured, again, we'd start off this discussion today um, by digging into Christ's prayer for unity there in John 17. So I'll start with that. I'm going to go ahead and read it. And I'm going to, I like, I told you before the program, <laughs> I, I tend to err on the side of context whenever I read from scripture. I'd like to just get it all right. out there and let the, let the Lord speak. So I'm going to read chapter 17 of John. It's not that long. It's maybe, you know, four or five paragraphs here, but I'll read through it. And then we'll just talk a little bit about some some features of this prayer that Christ prayed regarding to this topic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Lord be with you, Kenny. And with your spirit, John Mark. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. 
Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him power over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory which I had with you before the world was made. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not pray that they should be that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be consecrated in truth. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to behold my glory which you have given me in your love for me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel Mm. of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Praise Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, thank you, uh, those listening, for persevering uh, through that long reading. Again, I, I hesitate to cut any of that out. It's such a beautiful prayer from our Lord there on the eve of his passion, uh, praying for the unity of the church, praying that mm-hmm. the unity between him and his Father is something that we might be invited into. And that's kind of where I wanted to start our, our reflection mm-hmm. here, Kenny, that one of the interesting features here in this prayer is that if we ask the question, what is Christian unity? What does it consist of? What is it supposed to look like? Well, one thing we have here from Christ's prayer is that the kind of unity that Christ has with his Father is the sort of unity he wants to invite us into with them. Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) not to sound too crazy theological on the front end here, but, (laughs) you know, the the whole way that God reveals himself, you know, over over time in the the arc of salvation history and scripture 
is as a communion of persons, you know, Father, Son, yeah. and Holy Spirit. You could say as a family, you know. And um, so, so really what Jesus is praying here is, may the followers that you have given me be like us. May they be a communion of persons with us and be caught up into this Trinitarian family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, um, wow, <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. To, the oneness with the Trinity is really what the, the prayer is all about there. Right. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, the nature of God himself, the nature of the human, human beings as he's, as he's made us and called us into family, and now the nature mm. of the church, they share this, this connection that there's a, this community of persons. That's, that's kind of the deepest reality mm -hmm. that we're always mm -hmm. being called to. Um, mm -hmm. And another thing I wanted to point out there too, if we, and if we think of what that unity consists and what it, what it is and what it isn't, right? Um, it's certainly got to be a, a sort of unity of mind and heart, um, not necessarily mm -hmm. again of of externalities. When we think of like imitating Christ or being in unity with fellow Christians, it doesn't it doesn't mean we all you know walk the same and dress the same. It doesn't mean that there's not a, a certain diversity of charism and way of praying and right. all that. There's certainly diversity in the unity of the church, as we'll read in the catechism. But it's a unity of of love, a unity of of having the mind of God, having a heart like Christ's. We talk as Catholics as we have a devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, which means mm. celebrating mm -hmm. that Christ took on a human heart, that he that he that he felt things, and that in his perfection we want our hearts to be conformed to his heart. We want to, we want to feel as he did about his disciples, as, about his about his friends, about his mother, about the poor. So not just our minds and our and our, our rectified wills, but even our hearts mm -hmm. to be conformed to Christ's heart. Yeah, Amen. It's um, the whole impulse of what it means to be a Christian. Um, yeah is to be uh, drawn into the full full unity with God and all and all of his people and of course the impulse of our fallen nature and the things that we participate in you know that uh, that war against God and war against that unity we we feel this sort of tearing apart in our hearts all the time and that we're in this battle um, and so we have a lot of language, you know, in the New Testament, even Paul's letter to the Corinthians, you know, see to it that there be no divisions among you. Like, that's not easy. That's that's the yeah. work, you know, of being a follower of Christ. Yeah, and, and you're either moving towards greater unity or you're moving away. There's not really a staticness mm -hmm. to right. unity in a, in, a, right. in a communion, whether it's a marriage, whether it's your family, you know, or whether it's the unity of the church, you're either... You're either growing and working again in your own heart towards unity, or you're you're slipping away, right? Yeah, it's true. It's um, <laughs> you know, I want to be in full unity with my wife. You know, marriage as a metaphor, right, of Christ and His relationship yeah. with the church. I want to be in full unity with my wife about everything, truly. Um, so in order to accomplish that, we have to work on some serious issues. You know, mostly mine. You know, to be honest, but. But that's the, that's the case with unity too. Like it's not just about a feeling, you know, that we're all together. Sometimes there's really deep 
work that has to be done where these points of fracture and dissonance and polarity exist. Um, but the command of Jesus on one hand and the prayer of Jesus that is sort of the basis for all of that is that we would, that would be our work. That would be our, our preoccupation as followers of Christ. Kenny, were there any particular parts of this reading that jump out to you in particular that you that you wanted to comment on? Well, let's start at the end of, of the prayer or toward yeah. the end. I ask not only on behalf of these, he's talking about his disciples, you know, there with him, these that you've given me, but on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. And this is really envisioning um, a millennial's old church, right? A church that, yeah. that lives through the ages. Uh, and in that sense, Jesus is envisioning that the church of that, that he's forming is going to exist in perpetuity throughout the generations. And, oh, Lord, Father, um, the generation that comes after them might struggle with this, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So we shouldn't be surprised, like embedded in the prayer of Jesus is this... Um, passing on of the, the tradition of the pursuit of unity to each generation. So in that sense, you know, like John Mark, you and I, we're responsible to participate in the answer to this prayer, aligning with it or warring against it, you know, in our own present day. That's a, a first thought for me. Yeah, I was thinking about, uh, you know, connected to all this is this question of, I mean, Christ prays there again toward the end, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to behold my glory. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously, obviously different levels here because Christ is talking about his impending departure in one sense from his di disciples. But also, you know, we have in this passage as well as in, you know, passages uh, nearby here in Scripture, again, Christ talking about both his, de his departure in his bodily form, but also his continuing presence in the church that he's going to give us as a mm -hmm. gift. And mm -hmm. so we also then know that unity depends on being with Jesus, you know, uh, being and abiding in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so one of the crucial questions here is what does it mean to be with Jesus, right? Are you just with Jesus because you decided you are or because right. you prayed or because you baptized? Where There's obviously, obviously different levels of being with Jesus, being in relationship with Jesus, but what is the, the withness, the presence, the ongoing presence that he offers us and are we, mm -hmm. are we there? Are we with him? That's, that's one of these crucial questions that we have to wrestle with. Yeah, and there's these little markers, you know, of of how this unity works inside the inside the prayer. He says, you know, in your name, called them to be in your name, um, and you know, and when we become and in your truth. So his name and his truth. These are these are markers of uh, these bonds that bring us into unity, and we we are truly immersed, baptized into the name of the Trinity. That is ver the very life of the Trinity when we become Christians. So may they remain in your name, you know, stay in there. And then in your truth, this is the, 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 the way that we think, uh, the, the way that our minds and, and therefore our actions are shaped and carry themselves out in the world. And then this little word, right, sort of in the middle of the prayer, I, I'm, I'm not sure what version you were using, using. I'm looking at the, the uh, NRSV verse 11, Holy Father, the last part of the verse, protect them in your name that you have given me so so there you see like this this is a real this is like really vulnerable stuff here 
that Jesus can envision, that he knows um, in human history, boy, do we need to be protected from this fracturing uh, sort of um, impulse that we would naturally have without God's help. Well, I guess in summary, what we could say about here, because I want to turn to the catechism a little bit, but mm. what we can say here, I think we can all agree on from, from this uh, prayer of Christ, again, whether we're Catholic or those in our audience who are thinking about becoming Catholic, or maybe those who are, again, still not really open to that possibility, but happen to be be following along with us here. I think what we could agree on here is, number one, unity is important. Some sort mm. of Christian unity mm-hmm. is Christ prayed for, he cared deeply about. It figures prominently here that it is something that he he desires and prays for. That's that's mm-hmm. prominent in this passage. Uh, but that also that we would expect to see, we have seen throughout the ages of the church, disunity, things that we would all agree are disunity. And certainly now, the present state mm-hmm. of Christianity mm-hmm. is it cannot be the unity for which Christ Pray. I think we'd all agree with that. Even if we we're, yeah. we still have a little bit different theological understanding of what unity is, we can, I think, agree that this is not quite it in a various ways, right. hopefully. Yeah, yeah. A- amen. It's true. And in that sense, we um, this is a timely prayer. It's, it should be a, a regular prayer for us. I know at the Coming Home Network, it sure is. Uh, it's something that we think about all the time because we have a responsibility. It's like I said a second ago, either... Either we're participating in this prayer and offering ourselves yeah. to be, in a sense, part of the answer, or we're warring against it, you know, warring against this yeah. prayer of Jesus. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, we have this um, We have this uh, saying in the church, lex, lex orandi, lex credendi, the law of lex prayer credendi. is the law of belief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good to keep in mind here that one of the great one of the purposes one of the hmm, mechanics of prayer maybe we'll say is that we pray for what we know to be true and good and beautiful mm-hmm. whether or not we're yet able to live it out and yes. so prayer is always the challenging thing do we pray for what we ourselves maybe not are not yet working in accords with but it calls us our prayer our own prayer for unity calls us convicts us that. Okay, if I'm gonna if I'm praying for this, if I want God to work through this, then I have to turn around and go out and say, okay, what do I need to change and do different so that I I'm working with God to bring this about and not being a hindrance mm-hmm. to it. So that's certainly a you know part of this whole discussion. Again, that's where we're going with this discussion. We're gonna turn next a little bit to the, the catechism of the Catholic Church to discuss a bit what is what does the church say about unity and its wounds. But ultimately, mm-hmm. again, where we're going in this discussion is is a is a a discussion about what it looks like to be a person who is acting in accord with this prayer, who's trying to be a person of unity. So let's turn to the, mm-hmm. the catechism uh, for a minute here. And for, again, for those who want to follow along, we're looking at uh, paragraphs 813 to 819 ultimately, but for today, just probably 813 to 816 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is in the section of the Catechism that's working through the profession of faith, the creed, mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is the section on the church, on the church being one holy Catholic and apostolic. And those are that's a phraseology that even non-Catholic Christians are often familiar with, uh, who are those who are creedal. Um, and so this again, this section is on the church being one. And so there's a discussion here in the Catechism about what is the church, what is it said throughout the ages 
about what unity is and what it means and what it consists of. So I'm going to start, we're going to, today we're going to kind of just work through a few paragraphs, but I'll start by reading uh, the first one there, paragraph 813. The, uh, the heading is the church is one and the subheading is the sacred mystery of the church's unity. Mm-hmm. All right, and actually, maybe you want to read this one, Kenny? I read the, I took the first sure. reading. You can grab this one if you like. <laughs> Round robin. Here we go. Re- uh, paragraph 813. <laughs> uh, paragraph 813. The church is one. The church is one because of her source. The highest exemplar and source of this unity is the unity in the trinity of persons of one God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The church is one because of her founder, for the Word made flesh, the Prince of Peace, reconciled all men to God by the cross, restoring the unity of all in one people and one body. The church is one because of her soul. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling in those who believe and pervading and ruling over the entire church who brings about that wonderful communion of the faithful and joins them together so intimately in Christ that he is the principle of the church's unity. Unity is of the essence of the church. What is What an astonishing mystery. There is one Father of the universe, one Lagos of the universe, one Holy Spirit, everywhere, one and the same. There is also one virgin become mother, and I should like to call her church. Close quote. Man, oh man. That last <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the last quote coming wow. from Alexandria, St. Clement of Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff there, right? So certainly that yeah. first paragraph talking about the source of the unity is it's is the is the founder of the church, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I you know I can kind of tell I got a little bit of my ahead of myself in the last section, John Mark, because really this is where the catechism begins. The source of of our unity is the the Trinity, God Himself, a, a communion of persons, or the Trinity of persons of one God. And um, man, there's there's no there's no fracture, you know, in in God's own nature, in in His relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So um, being caught up into the life of the Trinity, uh, it, it changes our trajectory, right? It changes our trajectory away from this fractured disunity and into something better. Um, yeah, the unity. It'll- this also gives us a good ground, a good anchor point here, because although we're gonna we're gonna go on to talk about the ways that we contribute through our our yes to God, mm-hmm. our actions, our habits to unity, to building up the body of Christ, the church, we also always remember as Christians that we keep we keep our own actions in context, our free will mm-hmm. in the context of God's grace. Mm-hmm. That we're not trying to do this apart from Christ. We're not trying to fix the church for Christ. It's that. As we draw near to Christ, He can work through us to to uh, carry out His work and His healing. And so we always keep mm-hmm. that as our as our foundation stone. His this is all this is all about remaining in Christ, you know, and working in that context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Well, maybe I'll go ahead and read a little bit more then uh, after that. The next couple of paragraphs here in the Catechism, um, and we'll we'll tease those out a little bit as well. This is paragraph eight fourteen. From the beginning, this one church has been marked by a great diversity, which comes from both the variety of God's gifts 
and the diversity of those who receive them. Within the unity of the people of God, a multiplicity of peoples and cultures is gathered together. Among the church's members, there are different gifts, offices, conditions, and ways of life. Holding a rightful place in the communion of the church, there are also particular churches that retain their own traditions. The great richness of such diversity is not opposed to the church's unity, yet sin and the burden of its consequences constantly threaten the gift of unity. And so the apostles, the apostle has to exhort Christians to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I'll stop there for a moment just because there's some important things, again, for us to, to, to draw out there, especially uh, to to those who are coming into the church from the outside of, of what the church mm-hmm. says about the unity she's proposing. And one of them, them is that this doesn't mean uh, a uniformity of, of race or tongue or, or even praxis, you know, that, that mm-hmm. the worship looks a little different, you know, uh, in the United it States, it looks a little different in Africa, right? Uh, the church has a unity, but a diversity in that unity of gifts, uh, and personalities. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a, but there's a right and wrong sort of diversity, you know, in the unity of, of the Christian church. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I, I certainly saw this a lot, you know, unity and diversity to some degree, uh, in my journey through, um, Protestantism and denominationalism. Of course, there's a lot of <laughs> diversity and slash disunity there, but I, you know, I have experienced this unity and diversity just in my own um, journey in the Catholic Church. I think about just even East and West in the United States, you know, lived in Central California for most of my married life. And uh, the, the, the way in which um, Catholic communities um, live, you know, inside of the town, the way they worship, uh, the way they express themselves to some degree, very much looks like the people that are, that are there. Their, some of their backgrounds, their their traditions, etc., become part of the life of the parish and the church in that region. And then coming over to the eastern side of the United States, in which I, I live now, um, some things look very different. There's not, in a sense, there's not a trace of some of those things. Uh, in the parish that I go to now, um, things look very different. But it's the same faith. It's the same the same shape of things. Uh, maybe the colors are a little different. Um, the, the words for sure, but but the but the shape of it is still is still the same. Um, so I, I see that unity and the diversity everywhere I look in the in the Catholic Church yeah. for sure. Yeah, let me read the next smaller section real quick, and then we'll, we'll continue to elaborate here because yeah. I think it gives us some of the basis for discerning what is the what is the the, the principle of unity and a and a right diversity in that unity that the church proposes to us. Mm-hmm. So this is now paragraph mm-hmm. eight fifteen. What are these bonds of unity? Above all, charity binds everything together in perfect harmony. But the unity of the Pilgrim Church is also assured by visible bonds of communion. And then it has three bullet points. First, profession of one faith received from the apostles. Common celebration, number two, common celebration of divine worship, especially of the sacraments. And number three, apostolic succession through the sacrament of holy orders, maintaining the fraternal concord of God's family. Mm-mm-mm. So th- these are these are good principle kind of like anchor points here of that there has to be some visible concrete bonds of unity around which 
the diversity of cultures and tongues and charisms and again, ways of life can, can gather around. And the three that the church gives us here is one, this profession of faith, that there has to be in, in the core tenets of the faith, the doctrines of who, mm-hmm. who God is, who Christ is, what the church is, you know, the, the faith and morals there, that there has to be a common profession. So there, uh, so doc, doctrinal unity has to be important. What we're, what the church says definitively about, mm-hmm. about these key aspects of our faith is important. There does need to be a, a unity in our, in our worship because who God is and who we are, the kind of worship that is proper to that relationship between God and his church uh, is important. And so there needs to be a, a, a unity uh, there in our worship uh, and especially the sacraments it gives us. Again, if we, we understand as Catholics that the sacraments are these gifts of God Mm-hmm. Of, of his particular presence, that in these very particular ways, he uh, Christ remains present to his church. He's present to us in all mm-hmm. sorts of ways. We were talking about that earlier, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's certainly he's present to a- anyone who re- reaches out to him. He's present to any baptized Christian. He's present where two or more are gathered in his name. There's all sorts of ways. I mean, even in creation itself, like God is present mm-hmm. in important mm-hmm. ways. But then there are these particular ways that he, he gives us these preeminent ways where we draw close to his sacramental presence. And the church has, has held these and guarded them and distributed them uh, th- for 2,000 years now. And the church proposes that those are one of these key visible bonds of unity. Yeah. And, and then, of course, the last one, uh, apostolic succession, which um, I, I, I have come to appreciate as incredibly integral to this whole the whole thing. In fact, his his prayer, uh, the prayer of Christ that we looked at at the beginning, it, it talks about those who will believe through what these guys tell them. So there's this inseparable link in the prayer of Jesus to successive generations uh, to the original guys. And so even Jesus in his own mind, in his own prayer, sees um, it, it's, it's the essential element of apostolic succession in the capacity of the church to survive from generation to generation. And that's something, you know, I've, I've thought a, a, a lot about this one, John Mark. And, um, you know, one of the books that has meant, and, and voices that has meant a lot to me in my own journey into the Catholic faith is a book by um, Joseph Ratzinger, uh, the late um, Pope Benedict XVI, in his um, Principles of Catholic Theology. And at the very beginning of the book, he he sort of harnesses all three of these things, and he says, essentially, that the task of you know a theologian is is to teach Christianity, you know, to the present generation. And in order to do that, you have to know well, what is it? What is Christianity? Yeah. And he and he says, without apostolic succession, there's no universal answer to that question. There's no way. He, and in fact, he says that um, what will happen if you get rid of that third thing that we looked at in the Catechism, Apostolic Succession, is that each community will make up its own mind about what Christianity is. But even more than that, if there's a problem in the community, then a guy in the community, someone in the community will say, well, I think I have it right and all of you have it wrong, and I'm going to go and do my own thing now because I, I'm... so So Apostolic Succession is so crucial. And I'll just say it again. It's part of the prayer. It's part of the prayer of Jesus um, in, yeah. in John 17. Yeah. We're going to 
I'm going to, we're going to close out pretty soon here, you know, wrap up the discussion for today and we'll, we'll build on it next week. But again, what we want to emphasize here, recognizing that, that ideally we have a mixed audience, you know, for this show, mm-hmm. that we're yeah. the coming home network international. We're a network of, of, there are some lifelong Catholics, you know, who support the work. There are many converts to the Catholic faith. There are many people who are in our CIA or thinking about becoming Catholic, you know, considering that, working through the issues. Mm-hmm. And there are probably a few who, who listen to this or who watch this who are, are very much far uh, from that. Maybe they're not even open mm-hmm. to Catholicism yet, but they are, they are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're interested in this topic of Christian unity and the lack of unity that we see. Mm-hmm. And so we want to we want to hold those things together. On the one hand, it's it's on our foundation of nearness to Christ, drawing close to Jesus Christ. Uh, that that's what gives us our commonality. That's our common ground, our common bond here. But also recognizing that the unity that we or the we see a lack of unity for which Christ prayed in the yeah. world today, and we want to understand that better, and we want to work towards it from that place of commonality. And so with that in mind, I do want to read uh, one more paragraph from the Catechism. This is paragraph 816. And this is this is pretty explicitly the church, uh, the church's bold claim about mm-hmm. where the unity subsists. Now, again, in a mixed audience here, there may be people who disagree with this, who see unity differently, who don't see the Catholic Church as we as we do. But this we want right. to we want to put out there the church's bold claim. And then, but continue again after this to 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 discuss. Let you know, even if we're on different pages about that, how can we again be be Christians who are building up unity and working towards letting the Lord, you know, uh, heal that heal that lack of unity. So, this is mm-hmm. paragraph eight sixteen. The sole Church of Christ is that which our Savior, after His resurrection, entrusted to Peter's pastoral care, commissioning him and the other apostles to extend and rule it. This church, constituted and organized as a society in the present world, subsists in the Catholic Church, which is governed by the successor of Peter and by the bishops in communion with him. And this is a a quote from, uh, what is this, from 268. Unitas Redi Integratio. I think I have that right. Um, it, it, it writes the uh, – I don't have the full uh, – yeah, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and read it. The Second Vatican Council's degree on, decree on ecumenism explains, for it is through Christ's Catholic Church alone, which is the universal help toward salvation, that the fullness of the means of salvation can be obtained. It was to the apostolic college alone of which Peter is the head that we believe that our Lord entrusted all the blessings of the new covenant in order to establish on earth the one body of Christ into which all those should be fully incorporated who belong in any way to the people of God. So again, mm-hmm. to, to some ears, that may sound like a pretty bold claim that this unity subsists in the Catholic Church, that to the church, um, governed by Peter and his and his successors, Christ gave all the gifts of the new co- covenant. He entrusted this deposit of faith and praxis of what it means to be a Christian, and that it is in the profession of faith uh, in, in the Catholic Church, uh, as well as in the the continuity of worship and the sacraments, as well as in the apostolic succession, that those are the visible bonds of unity. Mm-hmm. Again, that may be very different from some yeah. those who are coming to this. But 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 at least receive that <laughs> and consider on it, uh, stew on it, wrestle with it a little bit um, as we continue this conversation about uh, being people of unity. 
Kenny, any, any final words before we wrap up here today? Well, just a word of encouragement because, you know, to end in that in that place, which I think is a good place to end, leave, leave folks wanting more and maybe with some with a point of tension, maybe. Um, but 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 what about but what about but what about? And I heard, you know, on my on my journey, both before I came into the church and now after for sure all the time, I hear the what about questions. I ask the what about question. Well, what about what about me? Was I really a Christian? Before I became Catholic, well, yes, I was. Okay, well, what does the church say about that? Well, a lot, and we have to get into that. But, but just a word of encouragement to anyone who'd be watching: yes, 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 yes. We yeah. we have this common bond in Jesus, really at uh, um, at this basic level. But we can all admit that there's something not quite right. You know that there's a there's a brokenness and a and a disunity, and you can find it all over the place. And so, at some point, we have to start working on this. And one of the ways to work on it is say is to say, well, where are we now? Well, we're fractured. Well, where are we headed? Well, the church is saying you're headed to the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace in the church founded by Jesus. Well, that's a journey of a reconciliation, yep. a journey of healing. And man, do we need to to get you know to get on with it. But just I just want to encourage yep. people who are listening that I've I've seen God at work in you know in this um in this process in my yep. own life. Yeah, and we we hold our our common bonds as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. That's not uh that's not lip service there. We hold that to be very important. We hold that to Amen. be very sacred um, because while we believe the church is true, we believe that there's this truth outside of us, you know, that's real. Mm-hmm. We all recognize mm-hmm. that. But but my picture of that and certainly my practice of living that out is imperfect. I will be the first to stand up and say it, that, yeah. that I have failed to live it out. And so, you know, my, my, my good uh, buddy G.K. Chesterton, you know, famously wrote into the newspaper uh, in response to the query, what is wrong with the world? He wrote in... Dear sirs, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> so we too might say, what's wrong with the church? What's wrong with this yeah, unity yeah. for which Christ prayed? Well, one answer that we can all answer for sure is I am. I am at least one of the problems with that. And so that's, again, we're going to work through this a bit more. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll go through the sections in the catechism talking about the wounds to unity, what the what the church, the Catholic church says about those wounds, those wounds as well as what it, what it means to work towards unity and particularly the place mm-hmm. of virtue in that. That's one of my favorite topics. That's where we're going to transition into talking about, again, if I am part of the problem here, how can I be part of the solution through my fidelity to prayer, my fidelity to Christ as best as I know him, uh, and and through continuing to be conformed to him. So we'll get into that next week. Sound good, Kenny? That sounds great, John Mark. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks again, brother, for for, uh, joining me for this discussion. And thank you for being here with us on Deep in Christ. Again, I pray that the conversation was edifying to you, thought-provoking at least. I'd love to know what you think, so certainly let us know. And as always, a reminder that the Coming Home Network is a network of converts to the Catholic Church, you know, who come from all variety of backgrounds and and different ways of life. They've come to embrace Catholicism and they'd like to share their stories with you. So go to chnetwork.org to check out their stories, to sign up for our newsletter. And particularly if you're someone who's thinking about becoming Catholic or asking questions, considering that journey, we'd love to walk that journey with you. So 
Check out the resources there as well as our online community at community.chnetwork.org. We'd love to be walking with you uh, as we as we work out trying to be the, the fulfillment of Christ's prayer for unity in our own lives. So again, God bless you. We'll be back here again next week. See you then.